Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we are going over all the relevant waiver wire options ahead of week six. We got some bye weeks, specifically the Falcons, Jets, Saints, and 49ers will not have to play professional football for this week. Gonna rest up. So we got some fill-ins to talk and just some general injury replacements and some studs that we just would rather have on our team. And by we, I mean myself. And as always on this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, how are you? Man, I'm doing good. Uh, looking forward to tonight's game. We have one left. I, I like the idea of Ravens and throwing the ball, even if it's just a little bit more again. It gets me excited. Lamar Jackson, number one in yards per completion, number one in yards per rush, and number one in your heart. So we will go through quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, get some suggested fabs, give our order of the guys as we feel for this fit, as for this week is fit, and then also just some general banter along the way. So first off, we're going to start with the quarterback room. I think the top five streamers this week, and again, we're basing this usually on Yahoo and Fantrax, guys that are available in 50% or fewer of leagues. Top five options, in my humble opinion, is Trevor Lawrence against the Dolphins, Taylor Heineke against the Chiefs, Geno Smith against the Steelers, Sam Darnold against the Vikings, and Daniel Jones, if active, against the Rams. For those that didn't see that Giants game, Daniel Jones did suffer a pretty gnarly concussion. Hopefully, he is feeling better, but we're not sure if he is going to be ready to go by Sunday. Dwayne, when I look at this group, first of all, I was surprised Darnold even qualified. He's the QB9 on the season. I think he should be the top streamer of the week if he is available in your league. Going up against this Vikings defense that, you know, I think some of their stats are flawed because of how bad Baker was against them in week four. As it stands, Patrick Peterson, Bashad Breeland, in only five games, they've given up 39 catches, 541 yards, six touchdowns. Have they picked off a single pass? No, they haven't. We're getting Christian McCaffrey back. Out of these five, Dwayne, would you agree Sam Darnold should be the preferred ad if you just need a quarterback for week six and week six only? Yeah, I mean, I think it's easily Darnold. I mean, we've seen him score. Um, you know, he's finished as the QB3, the QB1. Yeah, he had a QB27 last week. But, you know, all, we've talked about this. All players have down weeks. And so this was Darnold. So we'll see. It could be the beginning of a bigger trend. But right now, I'm going to believe in the first four games that we saw from Darnold over just, you know, the most recent one. After him, I do lean Taylor Heineke. Now, he, like Darnold, had a bit of a down game last week. Tough Saints defense, and he had a couple boneheaded picks in there. With that said, since he took over that job in week two, we've seen the rushing floor. He's had 25 rushing yards per game this year, and he's ripped off QB 13, QB 9, QB 5, and then most recently, QB 23 performances. So this matchup, man, they're facing the Chiefs, a pissed-off Chiefs, at least offense. I'm not even sure if a pissed-off Chiefs defense is going to change anything the way they can. Can't slow down anyone right now. But Chiefs ranked dead last in both points per game overall and fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. Dwayne Heineke versus Lawrence versus Geno versus Daniel Jones. Are you with me? Yeah, I like I like Lawrence slightly more, but so I mean, but I would just flip those two. I would yeah. have it, you know, Darnold, like we both said to start, then I would go Lawrence, then I would go Heineke. And the main thing with Lawrence is just continue to see more design rushing plays. So he's had 
um, 12%, 22%, and 14% over the last three weeks, which is something we kind of expected to see out of the gate. Scramble rate's also solid, 7 7 and 8%. To your point, like Heineke's no like slouch on the ground. Like he's averaging, you know, 25 yards. You know, he's hitting that 25 yards per game mark, which is great. Um, could, you know, I could see this one going e- either way really easily, you know, Ian. I mean, it, it's, you know, that Washington's going to have to throw against um, the Chiefs. This will be, you know, a for sure get right game for Patrick Mahomes. Like Washington football team is like the get right game for everyone. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's Jameis Winston. It doesn't matter. Like it can literally be, and it could be, it could be you or me, and it would be a get right game. <laughs> That's what's crazy about this matchup: Washington and Kansas City rank 32nd and 31st in scoring defense and fantasy points allowed the QBs. So yeah, I still think Eileen Heineke. I think he has the rushing floor that we're hoping Lawrence can get. But man, you know, Lawrence, I think certainly did show off that. Sneaky ceiling he can have even in a game yesterday where I don't think he looked all that great because he had a QB8 finish pre-Monday Night Football. And like at the end of the game, he was an inch away from scoring another rushing touchdown. And then Carlos Hyde got stuffed on fourth and goal because, of course, Urban Meyer felt the need to give it to Carlos Hyde on fourth and goal. It's funny, really, all of these guys are dealing with banged up weapons as well. You know, I mean, Heineke's dealing with Curtis Samuels hurt again. We don't know if Diami Brown will be back for this game. Logan Thomas is out. Um, you know, you've got Daniel Jones dealing with Kenny Galladay hurt. We'll talk about him later. you got Sterling Shepard out. We'll talk about Tony in a minute. You know, it sounds like he won't be suspended or anything. But it's like all these teams are doing. Trevor Lawrence, you know, lost DJ Chark the week before. So they're all dealing with limited weapons besides. I think that's what makes Darnold also the slam dunk is just all of his weapons are going to be healthy. Now, if Daniel Jones is active, are we still putting Heineke and Lawrence ahead of him? Because I kind of think we should at least for this week. You know, Danny Dimes, we've talked about him this year. He's been playing some great football, but you take away Saquon. Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, and we have the potential for Jason Garrett to maybe look in the mirror and say, hey, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be running our franchise quarterback as often as I am, not to mention the tough matchup against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and company. If Jones is clear, Dwayne, would you adjust this list or do you think he slides in behind these other guys? I think what we would have to see, and for me, would be Jones cleared, but also Sterling Shepard's going to play and Kenny Galladay are going to play. If you saw that, I would probably move him back up, you know, because concussion, I mean, once you've had one, it's like, it's not like you're carrying that much greater risk. You know, it's just, it's like anything else. So I would, I would lean back to Daniel Jones, you know, in that case, just because the Rams really haven't been, they haven't been the Rams defense, you know, this season. Um, But I doubt we're going to get all of those dominoes to fall like perfectly for us before this game. So yeah, I think where we've got him ranked right now in the list is good. Geno Smith, I understand if people are here in a 14-team league, there's not many quarterbacks available, you lost Russ, or you just need someone for a couple weeks. I think from that context, maybe you want to prioritize Geno a little bit more because we do have Fitzpatrick possibly coming back in week seven um, and things like that. But even then, Dwayne, I, I just I think we saw a really fun Thursday night performance from Geno, and that's probably it. And unless the Seahawks just completely change who they are on offense, we're now going to see Geno get dropped into a situation that is not quarterback friendly. It's only been quarterback friendly because Russell Wilson has been the offense, has been the entire offense during his time there. I mean, right now, they're below average in play action rate. And the biggest joke, how many Shane Waldron, like pre-snap motion, pre-snap shifts articles did we read this offseason? And they're the fifth worst team in terms of just the amount of times they do that. So at least for this week, and usually with these waiver uh, shows, particularly for quarterback, we're looking more so at one week streamer options. I mean, this Sunday night game, Seahawks-Steelers game, total is only at 42 again i understand if you need someone for the next five six weeks to carry you 
try to carry you while Russell Wilson is out. But Dwayne, like for this week, I would really prefer not to start Geno Smith if I can if I can handle yeah, him. There's not you to. should not be starting Geno Smith okay. against the Steelers <laughs> front seven. You just shouldn't. Um, you know, it's what you said. The pass volume environment is poor. The run volume environment is poor. Um, I mean, it's like everything about the offense is bad. They're slow. They can't manage any kind. They're 32nd in the league in time of possession. They've only held the ball for 41% of the total time available to them in games. Like, that's by far the worst in the league. It's terrible. So there's just a lot of problems going on with the offense right now. Honestly, you know, I worry about, you know, we can talk about this maybe in a minute, but, like, the trickle down. Because think about it. Like, We've had DK, we've had Lockett, we've had these guys living on these razor-thin volume margins yeah. you know, for years because Russ is so good. Now you take Russ away and you give a team a week to get ready for Geno, you also give Geno a week to get in his own head. Like, I just worry. You know, this could be a complete disaster for the entire Seahawks offense. It's either going to be a disaster or it's going to work out because they start doing smart things. And that'll be hilarious because it's like, why wouldn't you just do this? We see things? crap like that all the time. All of a sudden, they'll come out and run 70 plays. There'll be motion all over the place. <laughs> Chucking the DK Metcalf's getting 12 targets per game. Oh, my gosh. I, For hilarity's sake, I kind of do hope uh, that is the way it goes. Me too. All right, everyone, so quickly on these five quarterbacks, go get Sam Darnold as your streamer if he is available. If not, Dwayne and I are a little bit disagreement. I would go Taylor Hyde. After that, Trevor Lawrence third. Dwayne would flip them. Either way, that is like a clear tier below Darnold, and it can go either way. I'm not trying to say I have a huge lean on Heineke over Lawrence just by a razor-thin edge. And then Daniel Jones, if he's cleared and if he gets some of these weapons back, we could see hopping over Heineke and Lawrence. Gino, try to avoid uh, that if at all possible. It is funny with uh, Gino, man. I think uh, it was our guy, uh, Trevor uh, Siakam, that brought this up. Eli Manning's longest, you know, career or current longest start streak gets snapped because Geno Smith comes in. Russell Wilson's long start streak gets snapped because of Geno Smith. Like, I hope eventually Geno's just like given some like back all-time backup QB card, and so like you're in a game and all of a sudden the quarterback gets hurt and you just hear like Geno Smith's music start blasting on the loudspeakers and he comes walking out. I did, not, out of I did the not remember Geno being part of Peyton Manning's thing. I thought no, that was Eli, like, Eli. Oh, Eli. I was yeah. like, that was like painter or something like that <laughs> some guy so it was eli too gino was there when yep. that happened i don't recall that for whatever reason huh. it, it was one um oh these are pretty good at that kind of trivia but eli, no, eli, eli got randomly benched like in week 13 or week 14 and then he immediately got the job back the next week after the pretty much the entire state of new york lost their minds over it so <laughs> gino smith just uh, out there snatching uh streaks and all that gotta love it looking out for uh, brett Favre's probably unbeatable long streak. Now, at the running back position, we got quite a few guys to go over. So, first of all, with the Bears, David Montgomery is out until weeks out through week seven at a minimum. They can start to open up his practice window in week eight. With that said, not a guarantee he comes back immediately from the injured reserve list, and the Bears have a bye in week 10. So, we could be looking at another four usable weeks for Damian Williams and the new back of the party, Khalil Herbert. Again, last week when we were ranking these running backs, we had Damian Williams. Williams as a low-end RB2 with the potential to shoot up to RB1 status. Very similar to how we treated Shuba Hubbard in the aftermath of Christian McCaffrey's injury. We just don't exactly know how these things are going to break out until we see the utilization. And now I send it over to the expert in utilization, Dwayne McFarland, because Dwayne, you got some good numbers that shows us Khalil Herbert was pretty much as much, if not more, involved in Damian Williams yesterday. Yeah, man, it was a real curveball, you know, to be honest. Um, 53% of the snaps, 49% of the rushing attempts. 
He was out there for 26% of the routes. Uh, short down and distance, handled 60%, so that's one or two yards to go on third or fourth down. Long down and distance, which is second, third, or fourth down, and over three and three or more yards to go, he was only out there for 25%, but he got 100% of the two-minute offense. So it's just kind of a, you know, it was a weird hodgepodge of things for Herbert, but I think what we can probably expect is he's going to handle about half of the rushing attempts. I would expect Damian Williams to still remain, you know, the lead back when it comes to the passing downs. Um, but, you know, maybe it could be like a 55-45 split, you know, from a rushing attempt, you know, in favor of, you know, Herbert. You know, it's probably going to be pretty close. But, yeah, I think Herbert has some value. The only problem you have, you know, with this is, is the Bears offense is terrible. So I don't know how many weeks they can really support, you know, two backs in. But, yes, it is something. It's enough that when I saw this, you know, Herbert's a young player. They obviously like him. He's at least going to have, you know, 50 to 40% of this backfield until we get David Montgomery back. But that was my biggest takeaway. Like, this Bears offense has gotten to play miraculously back-to-back games with really positive game script. I don't think that's coming, man, at least in the next two weeks. They got the Packers this week, the Buccaneers next week, 49ers and Steelers after that. Like, that's our window for Herbert and Damian, essentially. Like, our, we do our rankings usually Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. I don't know if either of these guys are going to be in the top 24. We got some teams on the bye now, but if anything, I think Herbert, yeah, he's going to be well above where we had him last week, but I wouldn't call him this like must-start guy, even if you happen to land him. Like, hey, if you need help at running back, I was on some teams last week where I just needed to have a viable person, so I just had to, unfortunately, maybe spend up a little more than I wanted to on someone like Kenneth Gainwell, Zach Moss, someone that you don't love, but someone that, hey, you need a running back to fill in that slot. Okay, from that standpoint, I'm cool getting Khalil Herbert, but Dwayne, like, what, 10, 15% fab at the absolute most? Like, I think this is kind of a trap. I think we just saw Khalil Herbert's best game he's going to have this year. Yeah, I wouldn't put a lot into it. And, you know, to your point, like, it's we only have one data point, and the Bears led the game the whole way. Um, So it could be something where it's more like a 60-40, 65-35 split in favor of Damian Williams in different conditions. It was interesting. Khalil Herbert was pretty active early on. It wasn't just a late-in-the-game kind of thing. Um, So I don't want to completely dismiss what he did. But it is just one data point. Like, we we still don't really know enough. It's all we have, so we have to go off of it, right? It's not like we get to just wait and see on all these things. Um, Because if you want Herbert, you're going to have to snatch him up this week. He won't be there, you know, next week. But, yes, I would not spend you know big fab money on him you know eventually you're going to have Montgomery back which you already pointed out um, so I think it's a five to ten percenter at most cool. um, like I like more like five percent because Ian I really don't know how I'm even going to put the guy in a lineup that's what I'm saying yeah I, I, I the, the 10 to 15 I threw out was too high you're right it should be much closer to five so out of this list I think there's three guys that are really going to be headlining a lot of these waiver wire articles everyone's going to be reading I have Herbert ranked third the second guy I think people should be going out to get is Daryl Williams, as we all saw last night on Sunday Night Football. Clyde Edwards Hilaire suffered that nasty looking injury. Good news from Adam Schefter is that he's only suffered a sprained MCL and he's only expected to miss, quote unquote, a few weeks per his sources. So not a season ending uh, injury or anything like that. With that said, we still got Jarek McKinnon there. We've seen the Chiefs 
literally as recently as last year, add someone like Le'Veon Bell midseason and give him a pretty quick roll. So Daryl Williams, he's got Washington this week. Hey man, he was already splitting a lot of snaps and carries with Clyde, more so than I think people realize over the past few weeks as it was, expecting him to be the lead dog. But Dwayne, like how much is that lead dog worth in Kansas City? Because what we talk about saying Clyde being a sell high, and no, for the love of God, I am not trying to victory lap this dude yeah. getting hurt. No. Please people realize that. But we t- well, our point was, even though Clyde had back-to-back weeks with over 100 yards and a touchdown, going into last week, he was the RB30 and expected fantasy points so they don't really throw the ball at these guys you take away Clyde maybe that does mean Daryl Williams takes on a larger percentage of the offense but I'm just not super confident he's going to fully pull away from Jarek McKinnon so Dwayne overall thoughts on this situation again I do think he's the preferred ad over Herbert because I see Daryl being the featured guy at least having a chance to be the sole featured guy more so than Herbert has who is stuck in that two-back committee with Dane but at the same time if anything we're losing Clyde I think that's his could result and what we saw in the playoffs last year and that's the Chiefs throwing the piss out of the ball each and every game yeah I think you're I mean you're hitting this one you know the right from the right you know perspective in my opinion you know looking at the utilization I think this could very well be Jarek McKinnon taking over the role that Daryl Williams was in before and <laughs> now Daryl <laughs> Williams is in Clyde Edwards-Alaire's role until you know CEH comes back um, so if you looked at yesterday's game, 100% of the two-minute offense now went to Jarek McKinnon, 57% of the long down and distance. This is what the Bears did to us. What? Oh, my God. I know. So, <laughs> and look, uh, supposedly when they brought McKinnon in, that was all the that was kind of the word on the street right. was that Andrew Reed, Andy Reid wanted to basically use him anytime they decided they were going to go tempo, right? Um, which is what we call the two-minute offense here. Um, and so McKinnon is finally stepping into that role. I would be surprised if he didn't handle at least half of the passing down duties um, with Williams handling the other half. But I do think Williams will be you know, the leader on the ground. But it's just to your point, like if you look at the Chiefs and you look at their average rush volume you know, on a per-week basis, like I have it right here. Hang on one second. Right now, like in regulation, like this is just – this gets rid of overtime games. But the Chiefs – are where are they well they're 21 carries 21 rushing attempts you know per game so i mean if you can get half to 60 percent of that what you're like getting like 12 to 13 carries and then you're praying for two or three targets now it is the chiefs so you know we know it's an offense that can get going despite the challenges that they've had over the last couple of weeks because of the way defenses are well last really this last year now we're going back almost a year of the chiefs not being able to figure out the two high safeties and all this stuff so um yeah but it could change right there's there's a chance williams you know gets even more right than what Clyde Edwards-Alaire was getting. But what I would bank on would really be probably playing a very similar role to CEH for the next whatever it is, two to four weeks. Um, and you just use it while you can. I do agree that of the players that we're talking through, um, he's one of the top options you know, for the weekend. And just like remember, people, in the playoff stretch last year, I think that's kind of our most usable split that we have for Daryl Williams. Clyde was very limited during that and almost in a Jarek McKinnon role. And Le'Veon Bell was just completely out of the picture, wasn't even active for the playoffs last year. And then that. 
Darrell Williams had 17 touches in the Mahomes got injured anything is possible game then 14 and then only four in the Super Bowl and they actually had to play with some negative game scripts so again the Chiefs like the Bills smart team that aren't just going to run their running back 15 times into the heart of the defense just to be able to quote unquote establish the run so Daryl we like it but don't love it Dwayne this one I think again a little bit more than Herbert but again anything more than 10 to 15 percent I'm probably not feeling too comfortable about it yeah, me either. I think he's a 10 to 20 percenter, depending on your situation, um, depending on your waiver wire, um, your league, all those sorts of things. You know, if you're playing in a really deep league and, you know, you've got to win the next two games and you have nothing else at RB2, you know, then you may go, go towards the upper, you know, end of that range and you feel fine about it. But you have to, you know, your team. I think the main message here from you and I, Ian, is like, look, it's not something that's going to last all season, right. you know, and he's not really a great talent. So it's like there's nothing there's nothing there right for me to get excited about like if it was even a player that i was like man like he could maybe if he gets out there and plays well like he could just take away more of the role like i don't even see that happening no. you know <laughs> um so it's just a situation where at best he just kind of muddles things even further for everybody going on through the rest of the season like that's his best case scenario outside of this two to four game window now, the number one back that I would want for this week and this week only, and I say number one lightly, I don't think this is a very strong waiver wire week to begin with, but the guy I would spend more on than Daryl, than Khalil Herbert for this week is Devontae Booker. Saquon Barkley is believed to have suffered a low ankle sprain per NFL Network's Ian Rapport. The injury is expected to knock him out next week. He'll have more tests, best characterized as week to week. Great, insightful note from head coach Joe Judge, who said, hopefully we dodged a couple of bullets there. And so gave us absolutely nothing. Thanks, Joe. Um, the one, I guess, interesting note that I came upon, Dwayne, because we were talking about this last night, and I assumed with Elijah Penny getting their kind of rush attempts, and for those that don't know, Penny's a borderline fullback, just a big grinder that's not going to do anything in the passing game. I assumed Penny would be the one getting the majority of the, or excuse me, I thought they would have a running back on the practice squad that we could see coming up. But from my understanding, their number three running back was Gary Brightwell, who was actually active, but he only played special teams. So even after Saquon got hurt, Brightwell didn't come in for anything. It's one of these things, again, where it sounds like Saquon's going to only be out one to two weeks as opposed to, you know, five to six. So don't go crazy on Booker. But out of Herbert, Daryl, and Booker, in terms of the touch floor, I feel like Booker has the best chance. I agree. I, I mean, we saw last night that Booker did handle everything. And I saw the same thing when I was looking at this team. I was like, oh, like, he, Brightwell was active. Right. <laughs> well, I was surprised. To do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we can expect basically he's going to have Saquon's role. He won't, you know, be as efficient. Um, but, I mean, you're probably looking at, to your point, uh, even if even if the Giants have a terrible game, he's, prob he's probably guaranteed 15 touches, right? And if the Giants are even anywhere decent, like if they're just average – He's probably going to have 18 to 20 touches in the game for, you know, for the week. So I would say if you are the Barkley fantasy manager, you could be a little more aggressive with Booker. Um, but you got to look at it long term and say, look, I know I've got bye weeks, all these different things coming up. I'm going to have to manage through. But if you can look at your roster and you see a path where you could just keep Booker on the roster, right, um, for the for the season, you know, as your Saquon cuff, you know, then that gives him a little more value and you could justify a little bit more from a fab perspective. Um, but if you're not the Saquon manager, I think he really fits in the same fab range as the rest of these other guys. Ian, you might just make him slightly higher 
and you just kind of have these all set up like as backup bids. You're not going nuts on any one of them. You're putting all of them at what you think, you know, basically you just want to give yourself a chance to land one of them, <laughs> you know, um, for the week. Um, and if it's just trying to get through the week, I do believe to your point, it's it's Booker, it's Williams, and then the next player I think we're talking about is Collins, and I would put him third. I would put him over Herbert as well. Okay. I, I like that call. And yeah, just back to Brightwell. He actually played eight snaps in week one. I wonder if that was like just strictly incomplete mop-up uh, duty. But yeah, because I was seeing if they had earlier in the year when they were limiting Saquon, if they had a third back in that committee, and they didn't. So that's basically all it kind of comes down to. Yeah, his name this. was Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it comes down to with this top tier. It's like Daryl is going to lose work to McKinnon. Herbert is going to lose work to Damian. Booker doesn't look like he's going to lose work to anyone. So we will have and chase that volume all day long. Let's talk about Alex Collins, who I only have him fourth, and I wouldn't be against going third, but it's because of this Chris Carson. It's all right, So here's what we know about Chris Carson. It's a called a long-term neck condition, but then in the same breath, Pete Carroll's saying he's day-to-day. So I'm not exactly sure. A long-term neck condition doesn't really sound day-to-day to me, but apparently um, it is. And it is too early to tell if he'll play in week six. The usage last week was fantastic, though. 15 carries, three targets, 71% snap rate. I know people might be a little bit disappointed by the total counting numbers he put forward. We also need to consider what this offense will look like post-Russell Wilson. But, Dwayne, at least compared to Daryl and Herbert, I think we can expect Collins. If Carson is out of the picture, which is not nearly as set in stone as the other guys, but if he is, then Collins is looking pretty damn good here. Yeah, you, I mean, you hit it all. 71% of the snaps, 68% of the rushing attempts, 58% of the routes. He didn't show up big in the box score. He's RB36 on the week. But all the underlyings look really good. He's not going to handle the long down and distance or the two-minute work, you know, so it's going to be kind of similar to what we're seeing with some of these other situations. None of these um, backs besides Booker is really going to just slot in to handle an every-down type of role. We're not going to see that with Collins either. I'll, I'll tell you, though, like Collins is a tricky one because – like part of me, like I agree with your point that like we have no clue what's even going to happen this week with Chris Carson, but we know that the Seahawks are also a team that are really tough to trust with any kind of injury, you know, information. We know that historically Pete Carroll, you know, he's an optimistic person. He's also very optimistic about his players' return timetables, um, you know, back from injury. So the one thing I would say with Collins is he potentially could be the one that plays the longest out of the whole group we're talking about. Like, what if Chris Carson really is going to miss five, six, seven games? Then that all of a sudden may, I mean, I think yeah, Collins carries the most. If he's not most. an IR, though, I don't think we can consider that if he's not an IR. Like, that just doesn't I, I even think, make a lot th- of sense. I mean, I don't know. I, I, if I If I had to pick one of these players and I'm like, okay, which one has the biggest upside to play the longest? I think it's Collins. I mean, you could argue it's Damian Williams. We don't know how long Montgomery for sure will be out. But I think Collins is the one that has a sneaky um, upside to how many games he could need to play, you know, for the season. If it's because a lot of times these teams don't do this, you know, they don't put a player on IR for whatever reason. I mean, look, like the 49ers kept Kittle active all the way till the end of last week. Like they knew, they knew he wasn't going to be able to play that game. They knew that before Friday. And then it's, you know, to IR on Saturday night. You know, so I know some of it's around the calendar and the way they work different things. So I would say they're they're just like us, too. They're human beings like they're talking to the doctors and they're hoping they're like, well, OK, so you're telling me he could be ready next week. And the doc's like, yeah, but he could also not be ready next week. And they're like, OK, so they're just like us. They're stuck. It's like, what do we do? We can't we don't want to put him on IR because then the next question of the doctor is like, well, if we give him three weeks, is it really going to make a difference? And if the answer to that is 
No, it could be better tomorrow. It could be better in eight weeks. We don't know. Well, then that puts the team in a weird spot. So just something to consider, um, you know, as I was thinking through it. Um, I, I agree, like the best way to approach it is once they hit IR, just realize it's not a perfect science for these teams. Yeah, and we did have Zach Taylor's infamous, oh, Joe Mixon's day-to-day for like the last three <laughs> months of uh, exactly. 2020. So good points all around. Last one who I think, I, I hope we're in agreement on, Ramondre Stevenson had a bunch of carries. I think it was like 10 or 11 yesterday. Didn't do too much with him. But basically, Damon Harris, who checked out of yesterday's game, per Ian Rapport, he was limited with rib and chest injuries, but tests ultimately ruled out anything significant, and he is best described as day-to-day. So the only notes here, Stevenson, who was the RB1, that did happen with J.J. Taylor as a healthy scratch. So we know Brandon Bolden has the pass game work, and I really think Stevenson and J.J. Taylor would more or less split the early down work if Damian Harris is ultimately ruled out, which he doesn't seem to actually be. So, Dwayne, any interest in Stevenson? Just a min, minimum bid yeah. and, and really deep formats. You know, it's to your point. Like, look, the Patriots want this to be a backfield by committee, no matter what. Like, if it means signing Ian Hart, it's off the street <laughs> so that they can play three backs. It's like, that's what they do. So, um, yeah, I'm not super interested. I, you know, in deep formats, if you want to throw 2 to 5% out there, I'm Ramondre Stevenson and just stash him away. Okay, I just – the problem I have with it, with it is, like, what am I hoping for? Like, that, you know, three more players get hurt? <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, no matter what, it feels like there's always this revolving door. And we know for sure Damian Williams is not – or Damian Harris is not hurt um, long-term, right? We know he's probably going to play this week, but let's just say he was a scratch for this week, okay? Even in the one week, I don't know for sure what we get out of Stevenson, and it's not, and we're probably not getting more than a week. The LaVishka Chenault prophecy where you're just only three injuries away from becoming a complete fantasy <laughs> superstar. All right, I like Dwayne. that. The Chenault prophecy, yes. Out of these five, Dwayne, I got Devontae Booker, Daryl Williams. I agree with you. Alex Collins, then Khalil Herbert, Ramondre Stevenson. You good with that order? Yep. Fantastic. Moving right along to wide receiver. I think there's a big one this week, and his name is Kadarius Tony. And if you guys want to go see some cool-ass plays that show not only his route-running ability, but contested catch skills, and most importantly, when this guy finally gets the ball in his hands, go check out my Twitter, at iHeartIt's, and I put together a fun clip, despite the best efforts of NFL Game Pass to sabotage everything I wanted to freaking do there. But whatever. That's in the past. And yeah, he looked special, everyone. And it wasn't just the Cowboys game. We started to see flashes of that in the Saints game as well. So I asked Twitter, I was like, why the hell did this take until week four and all three receivers to get injured for this to happen in the first place? And okay, I get it. He had COVID throughout training camp. I understand he couldn't have been like, you know, fully up to speed with the offense potentially. But I'm also old enough to remember, Dwayne, when CJ Board was getting design reverses in week two as Kadarius Tony was active and standing on the sidelines. So I'm not exactly giving Jason Garrett a pass on making all of us think that Kadarius Tony wasn't going to be someone that was explosive with the ball in his hands and was going to be able to provide his fantasy production because, man, Shepard, Slayton, Kenny G, all being out, that's what it took for someone this good to get featured. So with Tony, I understand we can't feel great about him super long-term because Shepard, Slayton, we would think based on the IR idea that if you're going to be out longer than three weeks, you're going to be put on IR to begin with. Slayton and Shepard would be due to come back this week. 
with Kenny Galladay. Again, going back to Joe Judge's extremely helpful quote. Hopefully, we dodged a couple bullets there. We're not exactly sure how that knee's feeling. So, Dwayne, I guess the question is, like, how much fab are you comfortable using on Tony? Because on the one hand, he has shown that he deserves to be fed the, the ball more than anyone other than Saquon Barkley in this offense, I feel like. On the other hand, we saw that they weren't going to give him this role until everyone got hurt in the first place. Yeah, it's a tricky one, but at this point in the season, like when you see talent flash like this, I think yeah. you it, it could be an absolute cluster. Like don't get me wrong. It could be a complete disaster. But when you get a chance to draft, you know, to go grab talent like this that you didn't have to draft, right? Like it just doesn't happen that often, you know, and it could completely bust. Um, but he is the number one waiver wire ad of the week because of all the like because of the clips you put together. You know, this wasn't just a pure utilization thing. This was he looked really good, you know, and so he was targeted on 54 54% of the time he ran a route. He was targeted. So um, they didn't have him out there all the time, even with all these injuries going, even through the early part of the game, they were somehow finding a way, you know, to limit, you know, the work that he was getting, but it was still healthy. Like he was still getting really healthy work. So, um, you know, he was out there for the majority. I would, you know, not like he wasn't in like the 90% range, but he was out there for the majority of routes until, you know, he got knocked out of the game due to, you know, his temper tantrum. But yeah, I think with Tony, he's the number one ad of the week and you just got to find a way, you know, to get him on your squad. Um, especially if you're, you know, sitting like at the top of a waiver queue, right. And you've, yeah. you're the one with the number one pick this week. If you're talking about fab, um, you know, if you're in a small, you know, league, eight team type league, you know, that doesn't have super deep benches or anything, you know, you can get Tony for nothing and he may actually be hard. Depending on your roster, you may not even be able to go after him. You may be loaded. But once you get into the medium, like, you know, 10 team leagues, you get up into the 12 team leagues, um, especially if they have deep benches, um, that's where I would be really aggressive with Tony. Um, you know, at this point, you know, I haven't actually written my Giants part yet, Ian. So, I mean, I would take your feedback on this as well. But, like, just me thinking historically, like, playing in a lot, you know, of leagues. Um, I mean, I think he's a 30 to 50% guy. Um, you know, I mean, you could argue more. Like, and I'm telling you, he could be a complete bust. You just yeah. don't get a chance to get a player that looks as good as he did. That's the thing. And you're just, you're making a bet on talent, knowing that, look, this could be a complete disaster. I may not have hardly any fab for the rest of the year, but you know we're heading into week six, and I'm calling my shot now, trying to save my season, or trying to make sure that I insulate myself and continue my playoff run. He is not Justin Jefferson. He's not Justin Jefferson. I swear to God, if social media guy pulls this out the wrong way, I'm gonna be pissed. I was as impressed by his performance over the past two weeks as I was in Justin Jefferson's coming out party against the Titans last year. Like when the usage meets someone looking that good, that explosive in all facets of being a receiver on the field, we want to go get him. He's not a gadget guy. He made multiple great catches downfield and contested coverage people like this is legit. I am with you, Dwayne. Let's go and get ourselves Kadarius Tony. We don't. So how, like, how high would you be willing to go Ian? having watched? You've got to obviously watch like every basically you know, 50 snap he's had. seems a 
little high. I would probably go up to 40. I think that's a little bit more fair with it. I guess the thing with Tony is, and like we're going to talk about this with the other receivers, but we don't have chances to get the potential, like number, a talented number one this late in the season. Usually it's a backup stepping into exactly. a projected larger role that we hope works out, or it's like a wide receiver three that we realize is a little bit better than we thought, and okay, we can get some decent value. Tony's ceiling compared to the usual guy we see on the waiver wire is the moon. Exactly. Yeah. That's the difference. That's why I'm actually wondering like if 50% is too low. Oh, and again, yeah. it is risky, but like you can't, you can't always play things safe. You know, there's certain players that will make me break rules, even though, you know, the utilization, everything may not be there yet. Um, but just what I saw, you know, of him playing and I watched, you know, a lot of that game, you know, obviously, cause I'm a Cowboys fan. I watched pretty much every snap of it. Um, like he didn't look like he could be covered, <laughs> you know. And I, you know, okay, so, so I would say this: if you want to go fifty or higher, and you're a roster that is needy on wide receiver, and Tony could be someone to actually come in and start with a sense of urgency. Okay, I think that's fair. But as someone that I think really live by the anchor RB strategy of more drafts than not this year, thinking about my own teams, I am more better at wide receiver than running back. So I like to keep the fab a little more open for the running back position. But yeah, if you need a wide receiver, I can't really think yeah, of a better sure. scenario. It's got to come down to your roster construction, like what you're saying. Cool. Yep. All right. Other four guys, I'm going to quickly run through them. And Dwayne, you can kind of just give me your order and sure. just overall thoughts on it. Amon Ra, St. Brown, has been playing well the last few weeks, and he should benefit from slightly more condensed target share with Quintez Cephas, potentially out the rest of the year with a broken collarbone. With that said, still have Khalif Raymond, Kadero Hodge, who I honestly did not realize was on the Lions and not the Browns anymore until I was preparing for this <laughs> waiver wire article. Um, yeah, so Amon Ra, St. Brown, okay, you're maybe getting five, six targets, but if anything, I think the last few weeks of these wide receivers in Detroit have been a Fugazi. We talked about TJ Hawkinson's low target numbers. I think those are destined to go up. Honestly, I think week one when we saw Hawkinson, Swift, and Jamal leading the way was the most predictable week here for the future. Um, again, just without Cephas, they're going to throw the ball to their best players. It is Hawkinson and their two running backs. Marquez Callaway is on a bye. People might be a little fooled by that two touchdown total. From my understanding, Michael Thomas is going to come back this year. Like, I haven't heard that he's completely out. Once he is back, Callaway is completely done. And there's two touchdowns, people. One was on a Hail Mary. That's cool that Callaway is enough of a baller to go up and get it. The other one was on a complete wide-open corner route that the defense blew the coverage on. So, Deontay Harris, maybe if he actually misses a bunch of time with the hamstring injury, you're feeling good. But I'm definitely not going out of my way to get Callaway with the bye coming on this week. We also have Tim Patrick, who... Keeps doing Tim Patrick stuff four or five games this year. He has either scored or gone for at least 89 yards. we got the Raiders next week. Teddy uh, is healthy enough. I think Patrick's a fine guy to have as, you know, your wide receiver five or six on the roster. And then finally, Hunter Renfro, who is one of only five receivers with at least five catches in every game this season. He's ripped off wide receiver 41, wide receiver 49, wide receiver 15, 22, and 33 performances. Gives you that nice high floor. Behind Tony, I think I would rank them full point PPR, Renfro over Patrick. It's really close though. I understand Patrick probably gives you the higher scoring upside. After them, Callaway slightly ahead of St. Brown, who I want nothing to do it do with. Dwayne, thoughts? Yeah, I would go similar. I mean, Tony's clear in a way like the top one. And then I think, you know, Renfro's just shown enough now at this point, even though like his routes, you know, like if the Raiders are in a game where they're not trailing, 
you know, he, it's really dicey. Like he'll only run a route 65% of the time. They've been trailing the last two weeks, so you've had 80% routes run and 85% route run because they're in 11 personnel the whole time. Um, but if you look at it for just like a one, the rest of the season, I would definitely go Renfro. If I'm looking at it, you know, for just, I need it for a week or two because you'll have Jerry Judy back eventually. I agree that Tim Patrick gives you more upside. So if I was looking at a matchup where I was like, you know, I just need the ceiling this week for my matchup to get through my bye week or for the next two weeks, then I would put Patrick, you know, over Hunter Renfro. But as far as rest of the season, yes, Renfro would be over um, Patrick. And then I would say the the next on the list would be Callaway. You know, with Callaway, it's kind of interesting. Like, you do wonder, like, could getting a Michael Thomas or someone else that's actually any good back maybe help him? Because right now he's having to be everything. Um, and he hasn't been able to pull that off. But look, a lot of receivers aren't able to pull that off. So I'm, I'm interested in Callaway, but yeah, you have the bye week coming this week. But his routes have been up two out of the last three weeks. But I can't tell you when they're going to happen, and they're kind of all over the place with this with this offense. Week four and five, 79% and 80% of the routes run you know, for Callaway. But he'll have these weeks like week three where he's at 59%. So it makes him a little tough. Um, and so that would be my order. And I'm with you. It's like um, St. Brown, I like him. But he's kind of like... Um, you know, he's more like, you know, Hunter Renfro, except, you know, he's on a much lesser team. He's really just the slot option. Um, and even though they trail all the time, he still only gets out there 70% of the time. So that tells you if the Lions are able to lead ever by any, you know, for some stretch of the game, like he'll be non-existent. Um, so, yeah, I think you got the order right. Quickly on tight end. Hopefully you guys managed to scoop up Dawson Knox last week. If not, I think these are the top five. Ricky Seals-Jones going up in a revenge game against the Chiefs. We saw him at 99% snaps last week, basically take over full-time for Logan Thomas. And if you saw this game, people, he looks like a wide receiver. Why? Because he used to play wide receiver. This is not your, you know, dad bod tight end plodding along. He is a legit pass game weapon. And I think in this matchup, again, against the league's worst scoring defense, Ricky Seals-Jones deserves to be the week's number one streaming option. But if you're looking more long-term, and Dwayne, you made this point last night, I do think Dan Arnold probably is your next best bet. 73% snap rate yesterday with eight targets. I think the only reason he's probably not going to be a bigger deal in a lot of these waiver wire stuff is because Jacob Hollister happened to be the guy to score a touchdown. So we were all in on James, not all in, but we like James O'Shaughnessy after week one because of this every down usage. And that appears to be what Arnold has. And Arnold, like RSJ, is pretty much a receiver playing tight end that is being given the benefit of a near every snap role so with Arnold they traded multiple draft at least one draft pick for him I do think it makes sense for them to feature him moving forward in an offense that doesn't want to throw the ball to Marvin Jones and the viscous Chenault why not Dan Arnold fuck it right uh, after that we got Hunter Henry going up against the Cowboys his targets have been going up but I just refuse to believe that John Smith is going to be completely disregarded from this uh, passing game like this you know okay Henry scored the last two weeks if you need to pick between Henry and Johnu, okay give me Henry at this point but I'd rather just focus on one of these other guys that I think has more of an average snap role and higher target ceiling finally David Njoku Guys, it was a great game. He's a great player. This happens. Austin Hooper scores touchdowns one week. Harrison Bryant could very well be the guy next week. Just realize weeks one through four, Najoku had 10 targets. Week five, he had seven. There's no real reason to expect him to completely just shoot to the top of his Cleveland passing game. And then finally, someone that you just really shouldn't touch is Cam Brait. Uh, Gronk is, quote unquote, from Bruce Arians. Very close to returning from the rib injury. And last week, his snaps got cut in half anyway. So 
don't do Cambrai. And then I would say RSJ number one. If you want someone long-term for the year, I put Dan Arnold there as like a 1B and then Henry as my number three. How do you feel about that twin? Yeah, I would put Hunter Henry first. I mean, I just, it's, it's been enough of a trend now. Like, and, you know, he's a former, you know, was he, a, he was a former first round pick, you know, for the Chargers. He might have been a second round pick. I'm trying to remember now. But, like, he's got draft capital. They went out and signed him. Second. And look, John, John is just not playing at all. Like, it's, I don't get it. Like, it's crazy how little he's playing. So, even if Johnu Smith doubled his snaps, like, it wouldn't even matter to Hunter Henry. Like, that's how bad Johnu Smith's playing time has been. So I do like Hunter Henry as the season-long option as well as the number one option for the week. Then I would say, um, if you wanted to categorize, like to your point, like, hey, I just need a tight end for one week, it would be Ricky Sills-Jones and then Dan Arnold. But if I'm similar to you, if it's more about the rest of the season, then I would say my number two is Dan Arnold. So I would go Hunter Henry, Dan Arnold, then Ricky Sills-Jones, and then I really don't want anything to do with the other two. Okay, I'm with you on not wanting the other two. Hunter Henry to number one. Like, where are we going to rank him, you think? Over, like, top ten at this point? Because I don't know, man. No, I don't I, think we're going to rank him at top ten, but I don't think I'm going to rank the other two in the top ten either. And I think for the course of the season, I would rather bet on his draft capital and talent and the trend that I'm seeing in utilization that's been up, you know, over the last three weeks. You know, it looks good. I mean, he's been tight end 19, 11, then four. He's tight end eight on the season now. Nobody knows. Hunter Henry's <laughs> tight end eight. I just, man, this. as much as people want to crown Mac Jones already, I just don't think this passing game is looking. Dude, he is like four for 19 on passes thrown 20 yards downfield. Henry is going to need five-plus catches a week to clear 50 yards. Like, you don't care at all. But about that's all we need. Ups. But that's really all we need at tight end. But we can I get mean, more. This... We have actual receivers that are playing tight end in Washington and Jacksonville. I don't know why. I'm sure they're massive liabilities as blockers, but we don't have to worry about it for some reason. Yeah, I'll stick with Henry. All right, all right. All right <laughs> I, get what, I, get, I get what you're saying, and I do like Dan Arnold. I mean, look, popping up with a 26% target share, like basically after you just you know got off the bus. You know, <laughs> I know he played the week before, but really, like, shouldn't have even probably been in that game. So I think that does say something. Um, it's got to be, you know, it's you know, it's just there for Lavisca Chanel owners, you know, to be really excited or managers to be excited about is Dan Arnold and his 26% of the targets. <laughs> All right, week six, Dwayne and I are at each other's throats over RSJ, <laughs> Dan Arnold, and Hunter Henry. You got to love it. Hey, that's why we go back and forth, and it's up to you, the listeners, to go ahead and make that decision for your squad. So want to thank everyone, as always, for tuning in to this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And just want to say, NFL Week 5 is in the books, which means PFF has data and grades for every single player who logged a snap last week. What can you get with the PFF sub? Well, all of PFF's locked article content, PFF's NFL and college football betting dashboards, 0 to 100 grades of every single player including the top rookies on every team our player prop tool which shows plus minus value for every nfl prop and more so check out the highest graded players from week five and look to find early value on spread picks and player props for week six also another week of the nfl season means another shot to win big at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl new customers can bet just one dollar on any nfl game and win a hundred dollars in free bets if our team scores a point last zero zero time the nfl is in 1943 would say this is a no-brainer Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. also want to thank... 
are proud sponsors at Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. So team up to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com. And after you're done organizing your money, why not organize your like ball hair? Because it's football season, baby. You know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsor of today's show, Manscaped, listening through his hairs has never been easier. It's time for you to join 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code PFF at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all of the trimmers. Go tame that Wildcat offense. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PFF. Dwayne, you got the utilization report out on Tuesday. We'll be back here on Tuesday to break down every single game ahead of week six. Anything else you want to get off your chest? No, man. Um, well, I would say one thing. I know this is a waiver wire show, but if you can go trade for Devonta Smith, you can oh. buy low right now. Like, it's the time. Like, the utilization is there. He's the clear number one on his team. It just hasn't popped yet. And he's still wide receiver 31. But, like, I think we've had – you would know better than me, Ian, but I know for sure two touchdowns that have been called back on him, you know, for the season. Um, he had another one this past mm-hmm. week that was, you know, an, an OPI, offensive pass interference. On I've seen worse ones, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rub. You know, it's it's kind of a – you know, you're just trying to create space. It's, Patriots do it all the time. Um, but I, he's just a clear number one on his team. I mean, no one else is close. And so if he continues, you know, just to do his thing, like – even if he doesn't improve because the, the Eagles throw the ball so much, his 18% targets per route run is not elite, but it's really good for a rookie. But when you're on a team that throws the ball, you know, in the top five in the league, it doesn't really matter. Like the volume levels out. Like even if you're just at 18% targets per route run, you can still survive on that. But if he all of a sudden also takes a step forward, like in his, you know, growth as a rookie, um, man, like, the sky's really the limit for him as a player. So he's a guy that I definitely, if I can buy low and season long right now, Devonta Smith is a player you want to get. Love it. And we were hyping him up for the majority of this offseason as someone that was undervalued. Real quick, though, Dwayne, not to go on too long of a tangent. You know, I, I can't just mention the guys I was high on that are working out because our guy Jalen Waddle isn't exactly, you know, turning in the sort of production we were hoping for even last week in a game without Parker and Fuller. On the one hand, this Dolphins offense just hasn't been able to move the ball like at all this year. On the other hand, like that's a problem because Jalen Waddle is in that offense. Now, apparently Tua could be back this week, I would hope. That's going to be a positive for Waddle. He's the guy that they're practicing with all offseason, former Bama connection, all that. Level of concern with Jalen Waddle. Do you still think that, hey, you know, if you have him on your bench, just try to hold on and wait it out to, for that explosion? Or at this point, are we looking at someone that's just going to be a wide receiver for more weeks than not? No, I'm holding on. I mean, because cool. the talent's still there. I mean, the routes are, are not great, but they're good. Targets per route run are right where we just talked about for Devonta Smith at 18%. So good, not great. That's good for a rookie, though. That is good. Um, targets, 20% for the season. So, Look, he's sitting at wide receiver 39 right now. I think that's probably about right. You know, he's going to have weeks where he's going to jump up into the wide receiver three conversation, weeks where, you know, he's going to be in the wide receiver four mix. But I think there is still upside. You know, he's a good player. Um, You know, they can do more with him. The biggest thing is really like the way they're using him, Ian. Like it's his average depth of target is four on the year. You know, so it's a 2.8, a 4.3, a 5.0. So they're not getting him involved in the vertical passing game at all. So he's very similar to 
LaVisca Chenault, like in that way. Like they just want to use him around the line of scrimmage. But Waddle has game-changing speed. Chenault doesn't. So I think there's a there's a greater opportunity for his application on the field to be expanded, right? Because he has other gears to his game. You know, and I'm not trying to say Chenault can't be a good player because he can, but Waddle has something that Chenault doesn't. Chenault has, I mean, Waddle has game-changing speed to get over the top on defenses, and they're just not using it right now. But it, that at least keeps the door open, and, you know, for that, you know, to come to fruition. Who knows what's going to go on with Will Fuller, how long he'll be out. But I want to get Tua back. It hasn't been great having, you know, Brissett for the last week, and, and you know, for the last three weeks. But Brissett's really kind of changed every week, you know, yeah. who he's gone to. Week one, it was Waddle and Gusecki. Then this past weekend, it was everything was to Miles Gaskin, which we didn't even, I mean, good grief. (laughs) That's a maddening situation. Like, you never know when to start Miles Gaskin. You know everyone's starting Miles Gaskin next week, and they're going to be disappointed. (laughs) Malcolm Brown, like 20 carries confirmed. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Devontae Smith definitely is the buy low. We're feeling like he could have legit wide receiver one upside by the time it's all said and done this year. Waddle. Don't panic too much, but yes, it might be. I think what freaks of... you out with a player like Waddle is when you see someone like Tony come onto the field yeah. and just electric explode. You Correct. Know? <laughs> and that's what you wanted from Waddle. And so I had that same kind of thought, you know, as I was going working through the teams. But at the end of the day, like he's he's still being heavily used for a rookie, and you know we'll see what happens when we get to a back. And I, I, he can go downfield. It's not like that wasn't a skill of his at Alabama. And the right. few times they have thrown it down there, I've seen him make fair enough plays on the ball. So does have that skill in the little tool belt. Hopefully they use that a little bit more here moving forward. You can check out my week six predictions for every single quarterback. Put about six hours of work into that today. So I don't know. Check it out. It's free. I guarantee you'll learn something. Might even enjoy yourself. Crazier things have happened. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.